I'm Karen. And I'm Michelle. We're sisters. And homeschool moms. Welcome to the Layers of Learning podcast. Where we talk about family style homeschooling. Hi, this is Michelle. It is so good to be back podcasting and talking to all of you and talking to Karen, my sister. Hi, everyone. I'm really excited about our topic today because this is one that people often express confusion about. We're going to talk about grading and testing in homeschool. In homeschool and also with layers of learning because a lot of people have commented, how come layers of learning doesn't have tests? And we're going to talk about that today. So Michelle, you've never been a big tester no, at I'm, all. I'm kind of, I, in fact, sometimes I feel like I should do a little bit more testing. But the problem is, philosophically, I don't think tests are effective or useful in education. But on the other hand, when we go through life, there are actually really tests in real life. And of course, in college, there are going to be tests and my kids need to learn how to take tests. So interestingly, I remember when I was in college and learning to write tests and learning about testing, because I took entire classes about the purpose of tests and all of that. And the purpose of tests is because you have a lot of kids and it's the way to, in a streamlined way, evaluate what everyone knows. Because you don't actually have a lot of one-on-one -on -one time in a classroom where you can know what a kid knows. So a test is a way to achieve that. So automatically, in my mind, testing is less valuable in homeschool because I know what my kids know by our discussions and our projects and what they've read and what we're doing all of the time. So we really don't focus on testing much in our homeschool because I'm like you, Michelle, I don't see the value in it, especially when they're little. Yeah, I, I don't have any tests for my kids before about fourth grade. That's you know eight or nine years old. I wait until they're that old to do any testing. And then once they are doing some kind of testing, I do have purposes for it. For one thing, a test makes kids put in mental effort to actually remember things that you actually want them to remember. So it can be encouragement for them to memorize the countries of Africa, for example. If they're going to be tested on it, then they have to actually put in the mental effort to remember it. So do you consider any of the tests you give, you consider it like memory items? That's what you test on? Yeah, I mean, mostly. It's it's mostly things that I want them to have remembered. Um, but I think there are some other purposes for testing. Testing can make kids feel confident when they do well. They can feel like, I aced that. And I make sure that the things that my kids are tested on are things that we have actually learned together, and I know that they know it. And then they have to put in the mental effort. I, I know I tell them ahead of time, this is going to be tested on. You're going to be tested on this so that they will mentally make a bookmark in their brain. I need to remember this, the stages of mitosis in biology, for yeah. example. So I do testing as my kids get older. I don't test on every single layers of learning unit. We oh, don't no, I don't, don't do it like that. I feel like on every layers of learning unit, we have some kind of a culmination, but it might be a test. It might be a narration in their you know, book of years. It might be like, for example, this week we've been learning about identifying minerals and I taught my kids all of the different 
like the scratch test and the cleavage and all of the different things that they can do as they're identifying minerals to break them down. So their test in this unit was I put three mystery minerals out on the table and I gave them all of the tools we had used along the way. And I said, okay, you tell me what these three minerals are. So it was a completely hands-on test and they had to identify the three mystery minerals based on doing what we had learned throughout the unit. So that test that you just described isn't just a test. It's also actually a learning experience because they, they did it before, but now they're doing it without help with, from mom and without the group being involved. And they're each doing it individually. Right. And so it's kind of a little bit of a step up. It's, it's the next step of learning. Yeah. So it was not a written test exactly. In fact, I had them open up their science sketch pad and they literally made a box that said number one and a box that said number two and a box that said number three. And I made them draw the mineral using colored pencils. So they had to draw the specimen and then they just had to identify it. It was down to writing one word, you know, the name of the mineral. But in order to get that, they had to conduct all of the tests on minerals that we had learned. So it was kind of more like a lab than like a real test, kind of like a science lab. But I always have some kind of culmination. They might have to make a poster. They might have to do a presentation. We might just have a quiz game. There's something that we do to kind of sum up what we learned, but it's not necessarily always a written test. Sometimes it is, but that's not the only way to evaluate learning. So I think other reasons why you might test, some people live in places where you are required to do some kind of testing or show that your kids have learned something by the school district or by your local government, whatever may be the case. And tests can be an easy and good way to show progress or show this is what we learned. We live in Idaho in the United States. And in Idaho, there aren't any homeschooling laws per se. Basically, the law just says you have to give your kids an education. And so we don't have to do standardized tests. But in some places, your kids have to take standardized tests in third grade, in fifth grade, in eighth grade, whatever it is where you live. And if that's the case, you probably should have your kids practice what it's going to be like to take those tests so they don't just, I mean, testing itself is a skill. Yeah. So it, everyone will probably have tests in their life. So as my kids get bigger, I do have them take tests to learn how to take tests. It's not as much about the material as it is about the test. But since we're doing it, I use it as an evaluation for, you know, what we learned in the unit yeah. too. I, I think it can be useful too it, as a teacher, as a homeschool mom teacher or parent teacher to see what did my kids learn and what did we miss? Like if you have a biology test and they got most of it, but none of them got the part about the starfish, well then maybe the starfish didn't penetrate or maybe you didn't teach it very well and you might want to go back if it's important to you. Go back and, you know, cover that material again. Yeah, tests that you take and then slap a grade on and then never use for anything after that probably don't have a ton of value. What you want is to find out, oh, what did they learn? What do we need to work on more? Where should we go from here? If you're actually using the test as you should use it, it will tell you something that will then direct what you're doing next in your homeschool. Yeah, my kids take more math tests than anything else. And when they take a math test, if they miss a problem, we don't just, oh, well, you only got this many points and move on. We sit there and we go through every problem that they missed and we figure out why. And sometimes it was just an arithmetic error and they just need to be more careful. Other times they didn't understand the concept and we have to 
teach that concept again. And in math, I think that's particularly important. You have to understand the concept before you can move forward because math builds on previous concepts. Right. Do you test for history, Michelle? Not very often. Usually we just discuss things in history. We just talk about it a lot. See, I have my kids write in history more often than we do have occasional like multiple choice matching true false type tests for things like history. But more often, I just give them more of a short answer format. I ask them to describe something that we learned about. We recently were learning about slavery. And so I had my kids write a short answer about the triangular slave trade. They had to describe what that triangle looked like, what was being transported besides just the slaves. And it gave me an insight into what they actually understood and took away from it. And then on top of that, during the unit, we had learned about William Wilberforce and we discussed his quotes and talked about how he was a hero in helping to end the slave trade. And so I asked them to write a little bit about William Wilberforce. So their test was essentially two paragraphs, one about the triangular slave trade and one about William Wilberforce. So Karen, let's talk about writing tests. How do you decide what goes on a test, what format the test will take? Let's say you've just finished a unit on ecology and you want to have your kids take a test on it. How do you decide what questions are going to be on the test and what format the test is going to be, that kind of thing. Like, how do you write one? Well, part of it is really narrowing down what you learned about because ecology, that's a huge, broad topic. Right. right? And usually you've spent you know two to four weeks on it, right? So generally what I do when I look at a topic like that, I say, okay, let's start out with the vocabulary words that I hope they understand. So succession, niche, Right. Those if, kinds of in biome. Any topic that you're addressing, if you start with the language that was specific to that topic, that's really helpful. And that often, when you're writing a test, kind of becomes either matching or you could have kind of a fill in the blank type of format where they have to fill in the words that apply. Right. But that's often done with matching when you're talking about definitions. word definitions. So that yep. would be like... Like problem one, and then you'd have a whole matching thing underneath it, for example. Or it could be problems one through ten, you know, like they get ten points. Yeah, the whole test is just that. You could do that. Right. So you're always looking at word definitions. You want to make sure that they understand the vocabulary because that's something that they will actually take forward and apply to other bits of life. It's well, not and just... when you're reading a news report, they often talk about, you know, you, they might use some of those words. Yeah, that's but part of the habitat. Being... They talk about the habitat of this species is endangered and you need to know what those words mean. Right. So that's kind of what we say when we talk about being an educated person. What they're saying is, do you know the vocabulary of all of these various topics? So that's kind of the first thing I look at when I'm going to write a test is... What vocab needs to happen? And then no matter what topic it is, I always ask myself, are there important people that we should know? For example, if there was an important scientist along the way that you want your kids to remember and understand their contribution. Right. Maybe Jane Goodall. Yeah. And it's going to be different in every single topic, but you can do that with history. You can do that with geography. You can do it with science. You can do it with art. With any of those There are people who contributed to that field of knowledge. So that's kind of the second part. After the vocabulary, I look at the people. Who contributed? Who do we need to know about? What are the names of those people and what are their contributions? 
And that part of the test can take a variety of formats. That's a really good fill in the blank type thing where you can have the person's name and then describe, like for example, if you were gonna use Jane Goodall, you might have a sentence that described her, but then the blank would be where she was. You know, she was in Africa. Right. So the kid would have to remember that little bit. And that's kind of piecing together the person's whole story. So you give parts of the information and then the kid fills in the other part. Likewise, you could describe her interactions in Africa with the apes and they have to supply the name Jane Goodall. But either way, that can be a fill in the blank. That's a really good spot for those people. Events can be handled the same way. In all of history, geography, science, and art, you can look at it and say, okay, what events do I want my kids to know from this unit? So it might be the battles in a war. It might be when some discovery happened. You know, when when did DNA get identified? Right. Any single event that was important from what you learned. And a good spot to look for that in layers of learning, if, especially if you're in the history, is look at the timeline you can see the events that are most important in the timelines right inside the units. So whatever events you want them to know, that would become a section of your test. And it can be done with matching. It can be done with fill in the blank. Multiple it, choice even, yeah. Multiple choice works. So any of those, it doesn't matter which format you use as long as you use a variety of formats and you talk about the words, the people, and the events. Those are kind of the main concepts that you're going for. And then the second half of a test, if you're going to write a really standard type of test, is the written portion where you're going to ask some short answer questions and your so kids are expected would, to write a paragraph. Would you put, is that where you'd put concepts that you want them to learn? Like, for example, in ecology, succession is a concept where you, know, you have bare land and then the, the trees and the vegetation grow back over time. That's... You will know more about what your kids truly understand if you ask them to write about it than if you give them a multiple choice on a big concept. So yeah, concepts are best reflected when they're actually writing a little bit about it. So and, that's normally some, a paragraph. Some concepts could be done with drawing pictures too. It depends on what you're talking about, but often you ask in, them to, to draw a sketch. Often in science, I'll ask my kids to diagram something. You know, when we learned about plants, they had to diagram and label the parts of yeah. plants. So especially in science, sometimes in geography, we do the same thing, but we use a map. We often fill out the map as a worksheet, as one of our explorations. It's either in their World Explorer journal, or we did it on the map worksheet that we added to our layers of learning notebook. And then if I haven't prepared a test at all, all I do is print off that worksheet again, hand it to them, and out loud, I say a few things. Okay, I want you to write the major rivers on. You know, you're going to, yeah. where's the Nile? And mm -hmm. they have to draw it and label it. So they have to draw in the Atlas Mountains. Right. right. They have to be able to basically fill out the map. We did it together. Now I want you to do it and show me that you've committed it to memory. And so you don't always have to have an exact written test to test your kids. Do you do oral tests and do you count them as tests or do you just do that in a more informal way? Like, were you just talking about it? What do you mean by count them as tests? Well, I mean, do you grade it? Do you actually... Um, I have a grade book that I probably grade more than we actually do in a sense, like, like a discussion like that. What I do in my grade book is if we didn't have a ton of 
actual written assignments because sometimes we don't. Sometimes it's more just hands-on projects and, you know, there's not a lot of written type of stuff. When that happens, I just write the unit name in my gradebook and I give them some amount of points for it. So it might have been discussions. It might have been a presentation that they gave, whatever. I just call it by the name of the topic in the unit in the gradebook. And then if it's out of 50 points, I kind of evaluate them on, okay, they did a killer job. They earned all 50 points. Or you know what? They really slacked off. They weren't paying attention. They didn't finish the book I gave them. And so I give them less points. So yeah, I do that partly because I'm a really points-oriented, organized mind type of person. And I need to have a grade book that keeps us all on track. But I don't think it's necessarily critical. So, so if you've got a map, well, let's just pick. South America. You've got a map of South America. And instead of having your kids actually write down the countries, you're just asking them, for example, I do this a lot when we're quizzing. I'll just say they each have their own map and I'll say point to Brazil and they have to point to Brazil. So they're not actually writing it and oh, we're yeah. not, we're just, we're just doing it out loud kind of. We do that a ton, but we do that throughout the unit, not just like at the end of the unit, yeah. but sometimes it's at the end too. I mean, we do tons of house points challenges where my kids earn house points in their jar for right answers and all of that. And yeah, if if I know that they can name all the planets, I don't necessarily make them write it on the test. Yeah. So that's why I said testing isn't entirely as valuable for a homeschooler because so much of what we do is a constant out loud type of quiz game, fun review, always going over concepts thing that I actually know right where they stand. I know what they know and I know what they still need to work on. So it doesn't help me as much to to have a test as it does, you know, they need to learn to take them. So I do give tests for that purpose, but not not in every subject in every unit. I never give more than one test per unit. So that means of the four subjects of history, geography, science, and art, at most, only one of those get an actual written test. And sometimes none of them do. Sometimes none of them. Yeah. But yeah, I'd like my kids to learn to take tests. I want them to know how, but it's not as much because I don't know what they know. It's, it's because they need to learn the skill of taking tests. Yeah, it, it kind of, and you're right. It does make them accountable for it. Like they feel like, oh, I, I want to memorize that. Yeah. No, it was funny. Recently, my daughter, who's taking a chemistry class at our community college, she came home and she was panicked because she said, he told us that we have to have the entire periodic table memorized. We have to know every element, every symbol. We have to know everything on it. And we have a test tomorrow. I have oh. to learn them all tonight. <laughs> wow. You know, we had done a lot with the periodic table in our homeschool. She probably already knew at least half of it just by what we had done in chemistry, you know, in her first two years of high school before she started at the college. So she was pretty okay, but she was panicked because overnight she had to learn the entire periodic table. And that felt like an overwhelming task. Well, that is a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> but the funny thing was she got there to take the test the next day and the teacher basically said, yeah, so how many of you know the periodic table? And people were like, yeah, I, I know most of it. They had worked really, really hard because it was, yeah. you know, the pressure of a test. And then he said, okay, I'm so glad you studied it. Now you don't have to actually know it all. <laughs> but I wanted you to try to commit a lot of it to memory so that the rest of the class would be easier for you. And that was it. He didn't even he give them a test. He tricked them. He tricked them. 
<laughs> but that accountability where you go, oh no, I need to learn this. You actually can commit a lot to your mind when you get determined to do so. So it's really good for kids to sometimes have to learn that skill of committing things to memory. So whether you do it in an out loud quiz game or a written test, or they're pointing at things on a map, or you're giving them the three mystery minerals, whatever it is, they can commit things to memory and know how to do things and know they're capable of it, even if it's not all exactly in the same written test format. Okay, this this takes me back to you talking about the periodic table. <laughs> Reminds me that like, you the, the whole point of having a table is that you can look things up on it. Yeah. So you don't need to memorize the periodic table, right? And so how do you know, like Karen, how do you decide these are things that I want my kids to commit to memory or these are the things that I think they should remember? And so then you put those things on the test because in a unit you're going to cover, you know, hundreds of little details. So how do you pick out this is the detail that I think is important enough to remember? You know, in general, I think there are a few criteria that you can use. First of all, things like the periodic table, and along with that, we learn the polyatomic ions, we learn the times tables in math. Those things we memorize because they become the steps in other problems. You know, when you're balancing chemical equations, it's really helpful if you kind of know a lot of the common elements that come up over and over, and you kind of know the common polyatomic ions. It makes it so much easier when you're doing the bigger problem if you have the little things that become steps. Right, just memorized. just like if, if you know the multiplication tables, then algebra is easier because you're constantly doing multiplication and division. Right, if you don't know them, then every single step becomes another math problem that's really hard. Yeah, but you once, have to look it up. Yeah, once you have it memorized, it's easy. It makes the other bigger tasks easier. So those are things that I always kind of say, okay, if we're going to be applying this to harder problems in a bigger way, we probably need to memorize it. The other criteria that I have for my kids is just, is this something that every adult should just kind of be familiar with? That's what I do a lot. I'll think in my head, is this something that I use as an adult that helps me navigate the world? It helps me understand what's happening, right? And if it is, if you really should know this basic cultural knowledge, or if you really should understand this basic history, or if you really should understand this scientific concept, then it's going to be something that I'm going to quiz them on, whether it's, you know, in a game or on an actual test. I wouldn't want to live my life without knowing who Winston Churchill, Vincent Van Gogh, you know, the great contributors to our knowledge, to our world. I want to know them. I want to be familiar with their contributions and their successes and sometimes for people even their failures you know you want to know the best and the worst of us when it comes to all of the people of the world because we just need to have a common global knowledge in a sense does that make sense to you michelle yeah, like i how can you even talk to each other if you don't have the same frame of reference at all on anything yeah you know you if you're talking to someone you're trying to make a point we often pull up history as examples of, well, we shouldn't do this because we have seen this happen in the past, right? But if if people don't even know what happened, what yeah. happened, then you can't even have those those discussions. Right. So generally speaking, if they are people, events, concepts that I feel like every person should know, 
those tend to be the things that go on my test that I'm like, okay, I want you to memorize this. Yeah, I, I feel like germ theory is one of those things. <laughs> we, 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 a few, I guess it was this year, it was a few months ago. We got Petri dishes with nutrient auger in them and we took swabs of different areas around our house and put it on the, the Petri dishes and watched it grow. And it was really impactful to my kids because they were like, oh, there really is bacteria everywhere. You know, like we, we need to, you need to understand germ theory because it helps you to keep a clean kitchen and to wash your clothes and to wash your hands. And, you know, it's like a basic life skill. But if you don't understand viruses and bacteria, it's yeah. hard to convince people. So you're not going to know everything about every single topic but in general, you should have a pretty good global overview of the world by the time you're leaving, you know, your homeschool experience. Yeah. You should know that photosynthesis is, is how the oxygen of the entire world gets, you know, into the air. Yeah. <laughs> you, sh you should know stuff and, like that. And honestly, a high schooler should know the photosynthesis equation. I also try to, especially as we shift into high school, I start to go, okay, what are my kids going to need to make college easier for them? Because if they know this, then it won't be a struggle when they get to the college courses. Do you do more tests in high school? The older my kids get, the more they get tested. Yeah. Just because I don't think testing is at all valuable in little kids. I just don't. I don't see any value in it at all. I do everything out loud with them when they're little. I ask them to be creative and imaginative and think about things and write a lot. But I don't give them a test. And then when they kind of get to those middle grades, we start to do kind of the true-false, multiple choice. They're learning the testing format. Yeah. And so we do a little bit more of that. And they're simple and straightforward. Usually the tests for a unit topic are like one to two pages, just a few things. Like I said, I'll do a couple of multiple choice, a couple of matching, you know, just a few things on the front page. And then the second page is like one or two short answer type things that we do. And then... As they get into high school, I have them do more and more. And truthfully, one of the great tools that I found is Quizlet. Have you used Quizlet with your kids? No, I haven't. Tell me about so it. So Quizlet is just a website where anyone can go on and create a test about anything. And if you look up pretty much any high school or college level topic, like you could look up genetics, look it up on Quizlet and you'll find all of these flashcards first it's digital flashcards uh -huh. it's on the website that explain you know the quiz you want it and teach it to you and then you can also say okay put it in quiz form and it will quiz you on it and you can see how well you do so I'll have my kids go on and do quizlets just to practice it's just okay let's see and sometimes we haven't even learned the stuff but the flashcard portion teaches them and we talk about it as we go and so if you don't have time to make a test there's actually a lot that's out there and quizlets a really great tool because it's just anyone can make them. You can make them for your kids, too. You can make a Quizlet and have exactly what you want on it. Or you can just look up a topic and see what other people have created it's, it's, already. It's just made by tons of people, so there's thousands and thousands of quizzes. Yeah. Mostly they're made by college kids who have made it for their classes. Sometimes they're even labeled by the class, like Chem 101, you know. Yeah. And you can find different Quizlets for in one of my daughter's science classes, it was her biology class, she actually found Quizlets by people who had taken the class from her professor. So well, that's handy. Yeah, it was lovely. <laughs> so it was all labeled by the professor's name. And so she was able to go through and, okay, here's 
unit one and she could go through and learn all of the flashcards and it coordinated with everything that he was teaching in the class. But yeah, you can also go on and make one. If you're learning about the country of Turkey, you can make a 10 or 20 card Quizlet topic about all of the exact things that your kids and you have been talking about in the unit and then they can practice over and over again on the little Quizlet. So that's a really easy way to kind of test them without a ton of effort. So Karen, have you ever had a test go wrong? Like like your kids bombed it or you realized, oh, that was a bad test. I shouldn't have done it that way. Has that happened? Um, I feel like when I first start testing my kids, they're not good at it. So and what do, you, what do you do? Mostly that is because they don't have test taking skills yet. So when I start giving them tests, it's because I want them to learn about filling out bubbles and what multiple choice is and how to deduce true false. And so sometimes I make things hard. Have you, I'm sure you've seen that test that it says, read all of the directions oh. completely through. And then the last question is just write your name on the top and turn it in. Yeah. Don't fill out anything yeah. on the test. So I do that with my kids, like so that they read, <laughs> so that they actually read through it. And then also I teach them things like, if you don't know the answer to something, you put a little tiny dot by the number so that you can see right in the margin of your paper exactly what you skipped so that you can go back to it. You never waste time on a test because if you waste time, you might not get to the end of the test. I mean, I don't time my kids in tests in our and homeschool. If you're, you're going to miss questions, it should be the ones that you don't know, not the ones you do know. Right. But you can quickly go back and see what you've skipped if you train yourself, put a little tiny dot in the margin right by the number just a teeny tiny dot that only you notice really but that's your symbol that okay I skipped this one so that you can go back that's a test taking skill that I teach my kids um, so when they first start taking tests they're not always great at it but we just practice well and sometimes when you first start writing tests you may not be very good at it yeah and so I, I think you know teachers in schools will have kids retake tests sometimes if they if the entire class struggled with it, the teacher's like, okay, we need to do this again and we're going to retake the test. That's allowed. You oh, can yeah. throw out the first test score or you can just throw out a test completely or you can throw out a question completely. You know, if, if you realize, oh, this was this was confusing. You're right. I, I didn't write a good question. You can throw it out. Absolutely. And hopefully in the same way that you're wanting your kids to learn from their tests, you get to learn from your test too. If you write a test and you go, I did that really badly. Yeah. I, I mean, I've had my kids be like, mom, it could be either of one of these answers and this is why. And they give their reasoning to me. And I'm like, okay, you're right. Well, that that's actually another skill that I try to teach my kids is sometimes I like to have those multiple choice questions that, ooh, it could almost be both of those, but there's like one word in it that differentiates. Like the word always is commonly used by teachers. Something always happens. If you have any absolute word in a test, that's a red flag that it's probably not that answer. It, it could be in certain situations, but words like always and never, often if those come up in a multiple choice test, it's not that option because things rarely always or never happen. So teachers use that as kind of a yeah trick. And in multiple choice tests, I learned this just by taking them when I was in school, but my kids don't take as many tests and I think it's important to teach them the skills. So I will tell them in a multiple choice question, you always rule out the things you know are not true first. Yep. Definitely not that one. Definitely not that one. And then you've got two left and you're like, it could be that and could be that. And you read those more carefully. Right. 
partly for time. Yeah. You know, you, you have to work quickly through tests. Often. That's, that's really hard for some of my kids. The, yeah. The time. And this pressure. Yeah. The pressure and that, and the time, like we mentioned before, taking tests is a skill all on its own. And some people are good at it and some people are not. And it doesn't, tests don't necessarily actually evaluate what you know, which is one of the reasons that I feel like tests aren't terribly useful. But kids, especially if they're going to go on to college, they really need to have those skills to be able to take tests. Yeah. With short answer portions of tests, there are absolute skills that you need to learn. The very first sentence of every single short answer test should be you restating the question in a sentence format. And then after you've restated the question, you're going to list basically the supporting details. You're going to explain it in a few more sentences. And then the last sentence is the concluding sentence where you sum up everything you said. And the sentences, paragraphs, and narrations unit in Writer's Workshop actually teaches this skill. But if kids don't know that, they kind of ramble in a short answer test. They need to practice and learn that skill. It's a test-taking skill. It's not meaning that they understand it better or that they've learned more. It's just a test-taking skill. So, Michelle, a lot of people ask us why Layers of Learning doesn't include tests. The most fundamental answer to that is that we don't know what you are going to choose to teach your kids in your homeschool. And it's important from our point of view that you have the freedom to take your kids in whichever direction you want. If you are learning about genetics from Layers of Learning, you might focus a lot more on Gregor Mendel and Peas, or you might focus a lot more on DNA, you know, some more specific things. There's a lot of directions you can take any information that you're handed, whether it's in layers of learning or another curriculum, if you want to. And if we wrote tests, you would feel forced to teach exactly the things that we think are most important. Well, I think it was really, really interesting when I was learning to write tests in college. They always told us, anytime you get a curriculum, you need to decide what you're going to teach. And generally speaking, when we did that, it was, okay, what chapters am I going to take from this? Like, for example, if I'm teaching a biology class, I'm not actually going to go through the entire textbook. That doesn't happen even in college classes. You don't actually use the entire textbook. There's usually not time. There's not time. And they pick and choose topics. And then they test based on those topics. So layers of learning is giving you a broad outline of topics. And within that, you're choosing the topics. And then you're choosing what facts you want to learn about those topics, which people you're focusing on, which events you're focusing on. It's not actually possible to learn them all. And we don't expect you to. We don't want you to. But then you need to take what you are learning and figure out, what do I want to have my kids remember from this? And then how can I have them show me what they know? That's the show what you know part of layers of learning. At the end, they might be presenting what they learned. They might be writing about it in their student journals. They might be writing a paper. Maybe you will write up an actual little one or two page test for a topic. It doesn't matter how they show what they know, but in some way, they need to show what they learned. They need to be accountable for it a little bit. But in layers of learning, we recognize there isn't a single set of facts that everyone in the world must know. Well, I mean, a lot of schools never cover the country of Turkey at all, ever. 
ever. And but we do in our homeschool. But you know, should should we tell you, you know, as layers of learning, should we tell you you must learn about Turkey? I mean, there's not a compelling reason why you should have to. So you you should be able to pick the facts you want. And in exploration style learning, it kind of kills the love of learning if all you're doing is memorizing a few facts. We kind of like taking the approach that if you really love to learn and if you learn to explore the world and all the topics of the world, you're going to actually have a lot richer education than the 10 facts that you could learn for the test that we prepare for you at the end of each unit. Yeah. Also, you know, like we've mentioned before, we don't feel like tests are necessary all the time for every unit. And I think if we included them, that would send the message that we do think that they're necessary. I, I don't know. I mean, I guess you could still take them or leave them, but but it just we kind of de-emphasize testing in our homeschools and we don't want to emphasize it for your homeschool. Yeah, on occasion I've written tests and I've even posted them like for people in our Facebook group. Like, hey, I wrote this test for my kids if you want to use it for this topic. And I totally don't mind doing that on occasion because I test my kids on occasion. But if we had tests for every topic and every unit, people would use them. They would only teach those things and it would kind of kill our point. And our point is go out and explore. Yeah, and the the typical pattern in schools is read the textbook, memorize the information, regurgitate it on a test. There's not a lot of creative thought that goes into that. You just have to know the right answers. And it actually feeds the idea that these experts must give you the answer and then your job is simply to repeat it back. But at Layers of Learning, that is not our philosophy. Our philosophy is you should be discussing, you should be debating, you should be exploring many different ideas. Tests imply that there is always only one right answer. And in some cases, I mean, we do believe in truth with a capital T. What we don't believe is that we have figured it all out. Well, and we also don't believe that there's a limit to knowledge. We keep learning more and more about things. And as we learn more and more, there's more truth that's revealed. There's more information out there. And it would be really sad to narrow down the information of the world into a one or two page format and say, this is all you need to know about it because there's so much more out there. And I don't know, it's just, it's empowering to think I'm only scratching the surface and I get to keep on going. It seems like that would be uh, the opposite of empowering, but it's not because as you learn, you go, wow, this is fascinating. And you incorporate it into yourself in bigger ways that you can't really boil down to a simple test. Michelle, I do want to say one of the things that I have learned is that I don't have to write a separate test for each of my kids, even when they're at different ages, if I do choose to test. Oh yeah, I have, especially when you're talking about layers of learning subjects, history, geography, science, and art. In math, yeah, they each have their own book and they're doing their own individual tests. But when you're doing family style school, you're all learning together. And I don't know, there's something simple that I do. I don't know what you do exactly. But when I do occasionally write a test, I give it to everyone. And then basically the oldest kid has to do all of it, or the oldest kids have to do everything. And the younger ones, I might say, okay, answer what you can it doesn't really, really matter if they all do every single thing. Like, for example, I might have the older ones do the short answer portion along with the little multiple choice, true, false, fill in the blank. 
but the little ones just do the multiple choice fill in the blank true false right so you could put the hard questions at the very end of the test and tell the younger ones do up to number six and then you don't have to do after that or right yeah so you don't have to completely revamp everything to make adjustments or to make it work or you can just let the little ones off the hook and say you know what the little ones don't take tests at all the middles they're doing this part and then the high school kids you're doing the whole thing i another thing you can do is just give the younger ones bonus points yeah, you get you get an extra 10 points because you're younger, you know, but I have noticed that often when we're doing family school, age doesn't matter that much. I've, I've had my younger ones do better on tests than my older ones because oh. they, they were all learning it together at the same time. They love it when they do better than the older ones. Oh, yeah, That's like thrilling. <laughs> yeah. And if, if you really are learning all the information at the same time, sometimes it's just a matter of this one tried harder to remember. And it's not a function of age. It, it just depends. But I think. In a nutshell, though, Michelle, don't you think that when you approach a unit, you look at it as, okay, we're going to learn together, we're going to explore together, and then we're going to show what we know. And sometimes that's a test, and sometimes it's not. Yeah. And that's okay. It's okay that we don't have tests on every single thing, because we don't need them. We can show what we know in a big variety of ways. And actually, I think if I wrote every single test for my kids, you know, every topic, every unit, they would kind of learn my test taking style and they would learn to answer them without knowing any information because (laughs) that's what happens. That is what happens. When you get good at, you know, answering one teacher's test. So it's better if you keep variety. It's it's true, actually. Like, I remember in school paying close attention to what does this teacher care about? Mm -hmm. And you would be able to predict what they would test on. And I was good at that because I could analyze that stuff. But a lot of kids aren't good at that. And again, that's just a test-taking skill, analyzing your teacher's personality. And that kind of gives you a clue as to how little value tests actually have. If a test is about being able to analyze your teacher's personality, is it really about the biology? You know? Well, it's, <laughs> it's even simple things like my kids took a science class where their professor, if they had it in the lab, that topic then it wasn't on the test because he kind of evaluated what they knew from the lab. So even though he lectured about the topic, the ones that he had a lab on, you knew you didn't have to learn through the test. So they narrowed it down. They were yeah. like, okay, yeah, covered that in lab. Don't have to I do don't it have for to the study test. That. Yeah, don't yeah. need to study. So you can pick up on little things like that. And, you know, it's no different with your own homeschool. Your kids know you. And if they take so many tests written by you that they master them, then it won't be effective anyway. In yeah. And then they'll be blindsided <laughs> by the next person who gives them a test. Yeah. So mix it up, mix up the evaluations and have them write a little something, have them do a paper. Even in high school, you don't always have to have a history test. You can have them write a paper and that's often actually more valuable in showing what they know. I like to have my kids teach others too. They, they will teach the younger ones or they'll teach dad at dinner time. Those kinds of things can be useful too. So testing, you need to think of testing in a more broad way when you're a homeschooler, I think, than just paper, pencil, multiple choice. Yeah. How are we going to show what we know in this unit? And as soon as they take some ownership of the information that you're learning, start learning to really commit things to memory, absorbing it and keeping it for the long haul, not just keeping it for until I'm done with the test and then I have a brain dump, but really I know this now. 
I understand it and I'm carrying it with me. That's the goal we have as homeschool parents is to educate our kids, not just to get a grade. grades. Yeah. yeah. So there are some valid reasons to give tests, but there are also some valid reasons not to. And I think you need to balance that with what your actual goals are for your kids. You need to think about what do I want them to learn from this? Is my goal to help them learn how to take tests? Is my goal to make sure they know the information? And then you think, well, what's the best way to achieve that goal? And you design your testing or your evaluations based on that and keep always keep the purpose in mind. And whatever you do in homeschool, it's, it's your homeschool. You get to decide how the tests work. You get to decide how the information is presented. You get to decide which information is presented. It's your homeschool. And make sure that you're tailoring it to your needs, your kids' needs, and your family's needs. Thanks for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating wherever you listen. Ratings and comments help people find happy family-style homeschooling. Visit us at layersoflearning.com, at Instagram, and on our Facebook group. And make sure to tune in next month for the next podcast. In the meantime, we wish you happiness in your homeschool. Have fun learning! learning.